Hello and welcome to the Villain Era podcast. My name is Justine and I am so glad you guys have hopped in on this one. I am really excited to record this one, but as I have sat down, I am a little bit nervous. This episode's going to bring the tea. I knew that I wanted to share when I started writing out podcast episodes right away. I knew that this was an episode I wanted to do. But recently, last week, something came up that actually even inspired me to push it forward. And it was a question that really triggered me. And obviously, I'm a believer that if you're getting triggered, it's something that you need to look inside about. So this episode, I'm going to talk about why I got married, why I got married, even though I had my doubts. And I'm ready to open myself up for judgment. I'm ready for whatever people have to say about me. But I also know that there's definitely women out there who have also gotten married, maybe when they were feeling the same way. So if I can tell my side of the story or just give a little bit perspective, I think that would be really, I hope it's really helpful at least. The whole reason that I have pushed this forward in terms of making it basically my next episode is last week I was on a date and I got asked this question that I just thought was so sad. So we were sitting there, it was second date and he had asked a couple questions about my divorce and kind of my marriage. And he said, well, you don't really talk about it. And for me, I don't know when the right time to bring it up is. I also don't love to talk about it. It's not like a happy memory or anything like that. Same thing. I don't really necessarily want to talk about your ex-girlfriends on a second date. I don't know the time to bring that up, but that's not my choice. However, I knew already that his ex-girlfriend had cheated on him. And so I kind of opened up a little bit more than I probably would. And I said, well, a week after I got married, my husband sat me down and told me multiple times that he had cheated on me. Yeah, (laughs) literally uh, a week after I got married. My husband was taking a bath and he said, hey, can you come in here? And I sat down on the toilet and he was talking to me and he brought up multiple times that when we were long distance, because the first year of our relationship, I lived in Chicago and he lived in New Jersey slash New York. He told me about multiple times that I had always kind of guessed about, but he confirmed that there were these times that he had cheated on me. One of them being very embarrassingly with a girl that we actually worked with, a girl that When I moved to New York, I went and I got drinks with her and she knew that I moved in with this man and she knew the whole time that they had been together. And then another one was with just a drunk woman at the bar that he felt, you know, wasn't necessary to care about how that made me feel. And I felt in that moment like I just got trapped. I actually hadn't sent in the marriage license yet. And I just sat there and I said, am I going to mail this in? Anyway, I did not tell my date this whole story. I said one week into the marriage, he sat me down. He told me that he had cheated on me. And my date said, oh, was this on the honeymoon? And then I said, well, actually on the honeymoon, he told me he was going to push me off the balcony. So then my date looked at me and he just said, why would you marry someone like that? Do you not believe in true love? And that crushed me. I just thought that was the saddest question to ask someone. And it took me a little second, right? We're on a second date. I don't want to get so like triggered or anything. My response was when he asked me that, I sat there and I just responded, 
of course I believe in true love. And I want true love more than ever because I haven't had that. I feel like I don't count my marriage because I didn't have that love. I know, again, that when something triggers you that way, it's definitely a reason to look inside. So we're going to come back to this. So in terms of the date, kind of just like ended the conversation there. But I do think that it's a very valid question. Why the hell did I get married to this person? Especially why did I get married when I had my doubts. There was a time about three months before the wedding that I was highly, highly considered calling it off. I was at a nutrition conference in Orlando. My business was really new. This is a huge thing for me to go to. I was really excited about it. And he was throwing a fit. He had all of these insecurities that I was always cheating on him. And that's why I would go to the gym. And that's why I was in this nutrition business. And I literally was hounded because at a nutrition conference, I went to dinner with about 30 people at dinner and he was upset that there were men at this dinner. And so then the next day I spent probably an hour in the parking lot, just simply crying to him on the phone saying, this is just not working. This is not working. I don't know what to do. He kept blaming me that I was choosing my this career over him. And I just felt like you shouldn't be asking me. I shouldn't have to choose because I'm not doing anything wrong. I was driving home from Orlando and straight up my best friend, I would call her. I was just crying. And there had definitely been things before this leading up to this. So she knew other things. And she sat and she told me, Justine, you need to go and you need to cancel the wedding. I know it's going to be really hard. She said, you don't have to break up if that's what that means, but you cannot get married to this man in three months. I know she was right, but I, it was just something I couldn't hear. And I, we get home, we're fighting more. I call my mom and I'm crying. I'm not sure what to do there. But like I had mentioned in the previous episode, I wasn't really completely honest with my mom about everything going on. So it makes sense that she wasn't saying, you know, leave. I told her, now that I have told her all those stories, she said, if I knew what was going on, I would have told you to freaking put the engagement ring on the table and I'm coming to pick you up and we're getting you out of there. But, you know, that's what I get for not telling the truth and keeping things inside. Ultimately, though, this is when I decided that I was going to go to therapy and really just start to try and work on a better relationship instead of walking away. And actually recently my therapist, because I have been seeing that woman (laughs) every week, if not every other week since this time. So we're going on a year and a half. She actually asked me, she said, do you blame me at all for not getting you to walk away before the wedding? And I said, absolutely not, because I know I'm the kind of person that I'm not going to do something just because someone else tells me to. And I had not reached that conclusion in my own head yet. So I really don't think there was anything else she could have done to get me to walk away sooner. But I love that she asked me that, right? Especially because I'm a coach too. And I think that looks into how can we be better at our jobs. I started going to therapy and honestly, things really did get better leading up to the wedding. Looking back, I think maybe they got better because one, I was very much trying to placate the situation. I also think we were getting happy because there was the excitement of the wedding. It made it feel like a fun time. We had all of our friends and family excited. So that started to rub off in a good way. And I just wanna say it can be super easy to cast judgment for the outside. My dad, when I came home, when I moved home and I said, we're getting a divorce, my dad told me I should be ashamed that I let 90 people show up to my wedding. 
And let me tell you, I was in a bowling alley and I just started crying. And again, my dad has no idea what went on with our relationship. But let me tell you, I felt that shame. I felt the shame of, can I refund people's money? Can I give them their gifts back? But I also know that when people say things like this, it's very clear that they don't understand the dynamic of an abusive relationship. They don't understand the dynamic of where you feel trapped. And this is actually something I've tried to educate myself on a lot once I've left, because I think it's really crazy to just, I gave myself a lot of blame in terms of why did I stay in this? Why did I stay in this? What was I thinking? By educating myself around abusive relationships and starting to understand that, it was a way to forgive myself a little bit. Abusive relationships are very complex, and I'm not even going to try and speak to all of them. I'm not a professional on that, but it's really important to remember that the abuse is typically about power and control. And emotional and verbal abuse is not any less damaging than physical abuse. I want to say that again. Emotional and verbal abuse is not any less damaging than physical abuse. And one of the reasons I want to emphasize that is because I used to sit there and I would wish that he would just hit me because if he hit me, then I had a true reason to leave and that other people would understand why I left. But that is so screwed up. No one deserves to be in that. If you are in that situation where you that's what you're thinking, it's time to leave. And they have done a lot of studies where people who reported emotional abuse had higher scores for depression, anxiety, stress to those reported only physical or sexual or combined physical and sexual abuse. And what happens in your brain when you are emotionally abused is actually very similar to what happens in your brain when you are physically abused. And a huge reason that a lot of people stay in these relationships is that they have shame that they are afraid to admit that they are being abused. And I think that's why it's so important to watch what you say to women who are in these kinds of relationships, because I felt so much shame. I would sit there and just think, if I heard my brother-in-law talk to my sister like this, I would flip a shit. If I had a daughter and I knew that she was being treated like this, I would never let her stay. So why was I letting myself stay in this? And the thing is, is that people don't stay in abusive relationships because they're 100% bad. They stay a lot of the times. And again, I shouldn't say they. I'm speaking completely on my own personal experience. They stay because they think that that 80 to 90% that's really good, that can outweigh the 20 to 10% that's really bad. And especially as I've educated myself and read about this, That's just not the case because there's always going to be that dynamic of power and trying to take control. So it's not an abusive relationship is not going to change in that way. The bad does not outweigh the good. Even if it seems like you go through three months of really good and two days of really bad, I want you to think if you had the most beautiful home in the world, but it was filled with toxic black mold that home is toxic. That home is toxic for you to live in. It doesn't matter how beautiful it is. It doesn't matter about the marble floors. If it is filled with mold, it is a toxic environment that you cannot live and survive in. And you have to understand that when you're choosing that 
the good does not outweigh the bad. The other thing that comes up here, as I mentioned, right, is that, you know, 80% is really good, 80, 90% is really good, 20 to 10% is really bad. And there is a cycle of abuse. So typically, this will really look like number one, I mean, it's a cycle, right? So there's no start or end. But first things is you feel tensions are building. And this is always just an indication that an incident is about to happen. I would really feel this with if I was traveling, I knew there was always going to be a fight after. If I was going to a conference or things that had to do with my job, I knew that was going to be a fight after. And a lot of this comes from either jealousy, accusations, really quick mood changes. I also knew that anytime I had a family trip coming, a lot of times he would back out right away. He would find an excuse to throw a fight. He did not want to be around my family. So those were triggering. And also being in the car, which I tell everyone now I'm a passenger princess. I don't like to drive, but I truly think I just have trauma about the fact that anytime we were in the car, we would get in fights. So you have that tension start to build, right? I knew just the way he'd be acting when I was on a trip that something would start to happen. happening. And then you get the incident. And the incident can be verbal abuse. It can be physical abuse. Um, it can be physical threats, force, rape, restraints. It can be objects being thrown, intimidation. And a lot of times maybe the victim does try to protect herself or she'll fight back at this time. Maybe she'll leave for a brief moment. But then that is usually followed up with a reconciliation or honeymoon stage. And that's where you get apologies or actually I never really got apologies. I just got swept under the rug blaming outside factors, justifying the behavior. Some of the things I did get, though, would be things like buying gifts or going to a nice date night and trying to cover up the incidents with that honeymoon reconciliation. And I'll tell you, the before I left, right before I left, we had been getting in a lot of fights. And so he bought me two new pairs of shoes. And when I went to leave, I took those freaking shoes with me. They had already been worn. They couldn't be returned. And he, to this day, has not got over the fact that I stole these shoes. But I thinking to myself, you bought me these shoes because you had also bought me multiple flights trying to kick me out and trying to get me to leave you and to have that divorce. And you bought these shoes as an apology to that. Yeah, I took the fucking shoes. <laughs> And then after that as well, you'll often see maybe a time of calm where things are normal. And this is where a lot of women get stuck because they enjoy that time of calm. And I would, I enjoyed that time. You know, we did have a relationship where we would laugh together. And I just always thought that I can just keep this calm, right? If I can just be a better wife, if I can just clean the house more, if I can just put more effort into making dinner every night. If I can avoid saying things that are going to upset him, then I can avoid another incident. And that was always my hope and my dreams going into that. Because I think that about a lot of the reasons, you know, the things that we did have together is we had a beautiful apartment that I loved. We had a cat. I, to this day, think about that cat every single day because she meant the world to me. We had happy times. And those happy times were why I stayed for so long. But in the end those happy times aren't enough. And I knew that I could have happy times in my life without also having this destruction. Along with that, it's really important that to remember that a lot of women maybe don't have the financial means to leave. It was definitely a stretch for me to leave that relationship in a financial way. We shared a car. 
I was on a lease. I am reliant on him for health insurance. So there was a lot of different things there. I had moved my life. I had moved. I had taken a pay cut for his job and yet I was vilified that he helped more with monetary things, even though that's what he wanted. That's what he agreed to when he moved me and had me quit my career. There were also times of financial abuse. There was a night where I had bought movie tickets on his credit card. I mean, it was in my name, right? A joint credit card. I had bought movie tickets and he did not approve of the movie tickets. He didn't like the food he got at the movie. So we came home. He took my credit card away from me. And I just looked at him and I said, what do you think you are, my father? Are you grounding me like a teenager taking my credit card away? And also he benefited from me having that card because I would take care of our bills on that card. So when he tried to give it back to me, I said, fuck that. I'm not taking it back. I wasn't there much longer after that. So looking back, I can really see that cycle abuse. I could see how I was going through it when I start to piece everything together. But I just kept thinking, if if I can be better, if I can do this, if I can love him more. I just kept thinking, if I can love him more, this cycle of abuse will not continue to happen. As I started going to therapy, I also was rationalizing a lot of reasons to go through the wedding. And I think there are some easy things to call out, right? Just the fact that, one, people do feel like maybe there's some embarrassment around canceling a wedding. The wedding was already fully paid for, so the monetary aspect of, am I really going to throw all this, you know, am I really going to throw $35,000 away? feeling like we're letting down our friends and family. I think it's really important as well. When you are with someone for so long, you start to think, well, I've been with him for this long, right? But time served does not mean that you have to stay committed. When you're with someone for so long and you go to end that relationship, it's not about just you and him anymore. Yes, that should have been what about when I went into this marriage. But like I mentioned, we had a cat. I had a really good relationship with his mom. We had built a life together. His friends were my friends. His friends' wives I loved. I was actually reading back texts where we were discussing canceling the wedding. And I was just so concerned about what was he going to tell his mom and that I was going to break her heart. And you also hope for the best in life. But then really looking at it, what were the big things that had me go through with this wedding? Number one, That thing that I went back to over and over and over again, I rationalized, is that I was supposed to be married an entire year before during COVID. I was supposed to get married in 2020. And if I had gotten married in 2020, I was not having the same doubts that I was having now. Yes, there were definitely some red flags then that looking back, okay, I'm sure I would have ended up in the same situation. But I just kept thinking, I should be celebrating my one year anniversary already. So why would I not just go through with this? Because this must just be a phase. We're going to get through this. We had been together about six years. So I kept thinking about we're near that seven year itch. And again, if I had gotten married when I would have planned, it would have been done already. I would have been committed. So I just kept thinking, this is just a phase. We will get through this. And it's just unfortunate timing that this phase is happening right before the wedding. Along with that, I kind of mentioned briefly the fact that we were supposed to get married a full year before the wedding was basically paid for. We had put all of this money into it that we wouldn't have gotten back. And I know that's the stupidest thing. But yeah, when you're looking at $35,000 and you are attached to this person, finances do come into play. Secondly, one of the things that I really went to is the fact that he always chose me. When we very first met, 
he looked at me and he said, I'm going to marry you. Looking back, this was 100% love bombing. He told me in three days that he loved me. And I said, I straight up responded back. I said, you don't love me. This is love. It's so completely toxic. Love bombing. It's terrible. It is probably one of the hardest things I'm dealing with getting over right now. Because as I'm dating, I'm like, why are these people obsessed with me? And then I'm like, oh, wait, because they have healthy relationships. It's not normal to be obsessed and telling someone that you love them three days in. It's toxic. But As girls, you know, there's a reason you can see why as girls you would love to hear that or you would be obsessed about hearing that. The truth is, is that no one loves you that quick. You're being told those things as another way to gain power. Love bombing is right away manipulation. It's sweetening you up. It's buttering you up to listen to them. And I just thought, though, no one's ever chosen me like that. No one has ever loved me in that way. He must know something. He must know that he's for me. And he must just see this in a way that I don't really see this. I also will probably do a full episode on some sort of daddy issues, right? But I had definitely spoken to my therapist looking back about where I didn't necessarily feel chosen by my dad. So the fact that I have this man and he's choosing me, it meant a lot to me. And I thought that he is here. He's going to take care of me. And that felt really comforting. Love bombing now is one of the hardest things I am trying to work through in the dating world. Third, I thought as well that maybe if he finally got this commitment of marriage from me, that that would give him more trust in me, which looking back makes no sense. But one of the things that we would always fight about is that as soon as he would get the little, the little bit mad at me, he would say, I'm breaking up. I'm leaving you. And I was just like, well, if we're married, he can't keep telling me he's leaving me. Joke's on me because we got married and he still kept telling me he was going to get a divorce three months in. So that didn't stop anything. But I would just thought that, hey, he has this commitment for me. Maybe he's going to stop telling me that I don't act like a wife because I actually will be a wife. Everything just got even worse. I personally thought that our marriage was just a deeper commit to each other, where I think that he had beliefs of a marriage being me turning into this specific wife and mother that I had never agreed to. I also thought that maybe if he knew I had committed to him and married him, he would stop with the accusations around cheating. Looking back, the whole reason he clearly was accusing me of cheating is because he had been the one to cheat previously. Look out, girls, that is a sign. And then finally, circling back to that question that my date asked me, do I not believe in true love? And I know the reason that I was so triggered by that is I'm not sure that I did believe in true love. I often wondered if I was the marrying type. I remember being in high school, and I cannot remember the person's name, but there was this rock star on MTV Cribs and him and his partner had been together for 15 years and they had kids together and they were never married. And I just thought that was the smartest thing. I was like, this is perfect. And I know that I thought that because of the relationships and the marriages I saw growing up. I never saw happy marriages. My parents were rocky. Most of the people in my family are divorced. I actually had a call with a client before the wedding and I said, I don't think I know anyone that is happily married. I don't think I know anyone happily married. And that scares the crap out of me about getting married. Until the last couple of years, I never truly saw a marriage that made me think, I want that. I just thought that I would find someone, I would have to make a compromise. And so, yeah. I don't think that when I got into this marriage, I don't think I had faith in true love, which is fucked up. It's really fucked up. But one of my biggest concerns 
since getting divorced is that I did not want to make this. I did not want to let this situation make me bitter. I did not want this situation to make me hate love. I didn't want to allow it to have me put a wall up or become super guarded. And I'm so happy that actually the complete opposite has happened. Since I have, you know, left my marriage, I have spent so much time around my sister and her husband. And I think that they have one of the most beautiful relationships. I think that they have so many things going that I didn't see. He does not give a shit about gender roles. I was sitting in their living room one day and her husband was doing all this stuff. And I just looked at my sister and I said, you are never going to have to worry about your husband not helping you with a baby. Because I didn't realize that that could be a thing. And my sister's like, oh, no, not at all. Never have to worry about that. Because that was a huge, huge thing I was worried about. And to see the way that they love each other has been so powerful. I've also spent a ton of time with my cousin and her husband. And they are newlyweds, but they come home every single day happy to see each other. They come home and they hug each other and they kiss each other and they support each other. And again, I think it is the most beautiful freaking thing. Also recently, my mom is in a new relationship where I have never seen my mom behave this way in a relationship. And I am so happy for her that at 50 years old, she's found someone who truly loves her and treats her this way. And right now I will say I truly love love more than I ever have. I want that love for myself more than ever. I swear to God, there was a day where things clicked for me, where things changed. When I left, I wanted, I did not want to listen to love songs. I could not listen to any country music. I had put this like breakup angsty playlist together. And I remember one day I was driving home. I was going down the back roads. A country song came on and it was just a country cheesy love song. And I just thought, hell yes, I want this. I'm letting love back in my life. I love love songs more. I love rom-coms more. And I want to find true love because I didn't have that love in my marriage. I fucked up once. I'm not going to let that happen again. And I also realized that it's absolutely not worth settling until you can get that. If I can just tell anyone in a relationship, if you have any hesitancy, if you don't feel like this is the love of your life, don't get into a marriage with this person. Don't do it. So yes, I believe in true love. I just know that I haven't quite found mine yet. And then I actually told the man, I said, oh, you've inspired a podcast episode for me. And he told me that he didn't believe in true love. And my response was just, that is, that's really sad. And I want you to know that if I can believe in true love after everything I have been through, if I can have hope, anyone should be able to have hope. I hope that gave a little bit of insight around why I would step into this marriage. I feel this is, I'm sure everyone in my life will tell me this is unnecessary to say, but while I'm here, I do want to just say that I do apologize for making people come to my wedding. I do apologize for the, you know, the people spent money and bought me gifts. And I'm sorry that they took their time from that. Everyone in my life has said that they don't care at all. They're just happy that I'm out now. But at the same time, yeah, I felt a lot of shame around that. So thank you guys for tuning in. 
Um, hopefully this answers some questions about, you know, my life, everything that went on in there. And maybe if you are in a relationship or you're struggling, again, my DMs are always open. If you guys have been enjoying this podcast, please, please, please leave me a five-star rating. It would mean the most to me. And I can't wait to, you know, talk to you all soon in a week with the next episode.